I recently reread the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. Is the, like the first Christian movie is made back in the 70s, as you can tell. And the movie was based upon this book, The Cross and the Switchblade. And The Cross and the Switchblade is about this pastor in the 70s who felt a tug in his heart, a leading from the Holy Spirit to go to New York City and administer to the gangs in New York City. It's an amazing book, it's a great book. But as he ministered to these gangs, these, these people would come in and they would give their lives to Jesus and they would follow, follow Christ, but a lot of them struggle with drug addiction. So he created these rehab centers and they're called Teen Challenge. It, they actually still exist today. You'll find them around all over the place. But what he found was that people, these kids that would come in and get off of drugs, get clean, what would happen was that as they went back to their lives, they would end up back in drugs. And usually it was worse. They would get off the drugs and then they would go back and it, would, it was actually worse. And watch this. What he found was if they not only gave their lives to Christ and were, and were baptized, but they were also filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, one of the benefits for them was almost none of those would go back to drugs if they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe your challenge is addiction as well, or maybe it's other things. But so many of us, we actually walk through life on our own just trying to overcome those, those challenges without the help that's being offered to us, without the benefit of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today, the benefits of the Holy Spirit. So we are in the series that we called Third Person. And the reason that we've called it Third Person is, is that we all need to understand that the Holy Spirit, see, he's not some force. He's not just this wispy thing, a dove. He is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. Sometimes we tend to not think of him as God. We can relate to a father. We can relate to a son. But sometimes it's difficult to relate to a spirit. And we, we, we've all had different impressions of the Holy Spirit that we've had. And sometimes they're not based upon the Bible. Sometimes they're based on things that we've seen, sometimes excesses, some crazy stuff. And so what I'm trying to do during this series is to paint a very clear picture of who the Holy Spirit is. That he's not weird. He's not one of those excesses that maybe you've seen or experienced, but he is our intimate friend. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 13, this has kind of been our theme scripture for this series. And in this scripture, Paul is writing, he's writing to Christians, believers. And he's saying, hey, look, I want for all of you to have all three parts of the Trinity of God. And he starts out by saying, he's praying for us that the amazing grace of our master Jesus would be with us all. We understand that. And that's our way to the Father. The Bible says there's one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. So you got to start there. But then the extravagant love of God, this is talking about the Father. And then the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, that his role in your life is supposed to be that of an intimate friend. He's called your helper, your advocate, your counselor. And all of that, because he wants to have an intimate, close friendship with us. The Holy Spirit wants to be, he wants to be your friend. Then we also learn that the Holy Spirit, um, as a part of our friendship with him, is that he actually wants to speak to us. We found out that the Holy Spirit still speaks today. He wants to lead you. 
He wants to guide you. He wants to talk with you. And we find out that he doesn't have a speaking problem, but a lot of times we got a hearing problem. So we talked about how to hear the voice of God. And then last week we talked about just getting to know him a little bit better, getting to know who he is, what's his personality, how he operates. And we found out that the, the word spirit and Holy Spirit is literally translated breath or wind. And so we dug in and we found out that there's a lot of things that are characterized by wind that also characterize the person of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the wind and Holy Spirit are invisible. We gotta be comfortable with that. Wind and the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. That's the Holy Spirit's nature. As soon as we try to draw a box around him and go, this is the Holy Spirit. This is how we operate. He just likes to get outside of that. Then we also found out that wind and the Holy Spirit are powerful, incredibly powerful. And Paul is praying, he wants us to have the intimate friendship with this invisible, unpredictable, and powerful God, the Holy Spirit. And because he's powerful and he lives on the inside of us, he comes with some benefits, okay? In fact, Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, he also wrote this in Ephesians 5, and this was his prayer for, for them, and this is my prayer for me, my prayer for you, for all of us, is that we be filled with the Spirit. That's my prayer. So the question becomes, are you filled with Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know, Micah. If I do that, what's gonna happen? You know, am I gonna get all flaky? Am I have to roll around on the floor? You know, people say things like, hey, if, you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, they say you, you'll have the evidence of, and they start to name things. The main thing they name is that you pray in tongues, that that's an evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And yes, that is a gift that God wants us to have. And I'm, we're gonna see that as we move through this series. It's not gonna get weird. But I don't like the word evidence there. Because we could say, hey, if you're really saved, if you've believed that Jesus is the Son of God and you surrendered your life to him, you've repented of your sin, you've given your life to him in full, that there are gonna be evidences in your life. Well, I don't like the word evidence there because there are some people that have been born again and saved and yet there's some, still some things that are not manifesting in their lives yet. So just because you're mean to somebody, you're mean to your husband this morning, doesn't necessarily mean that you are not born again, okay? Now you wanna pursue that from the inside out, but those benefits of being saved, but I don't like the word evidence. So what's gonna happen if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's gonna be the same thing that when you surrender your life to Jesus, there are gonna be benefits to that. And if those benefits are cultivated on the inside of you, they're gonna result in certain outward actions they're gonna help you. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're gonna get some benefits. So today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna dig into what are the benefits of the Holy Spirit, okay? And I know a lot of us, you know, as we live our lives, we could use, anybody could use some help in your life? Put both my hands up. We all live lives where we have some challenges. Maybe it's your parents, your children, your, your coworkers. A lot of us, we're just desperate for some things to change in our lives. You know what they are, but sometimes we don't know how to get there. We, ever struggle, we struggle on, on overcoming life. And the truth is life is always gonna have struggles, but also a lot of us are struggling more than God wants us to struggle because we're not taking advantage of the, some of the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
okay? I know what it's like to just be exhausted all the time, tired because I'm pushing out of my own efforts and I'm trying to cultivate my willpower and just white knuckling life, just combating life continually as it comes at me. Anybody been there? I know what it's like to not take advantage of the benefits so I feel lost sometimes. Situations where we've got decisions that we need to make, you know, in our family, at work, at school, and we can't come to a place where we feel like we know what to do. Sometimes we actually feel bound to, the, to our flesh nature, the bad that's on the inside of us. We call it our sinful nature. It's a part of you that battles you constantly. You feel like you, sometimes you can't breathe. Parts of your life that just seem to suffocate you because of this constant struggle just to overcome and overcome, to overcome the wrong things, the temptations, just the anxiety that life tries to lay on you. I know what it's like to battle things, temptations that I know are wrong, but the temptation just keeps coming. When is it gonna stop? And it's in the middle of those temptations that a lot of times we feel powerless, like there's no control. We have no control over our life, that we're just adrift, have no purpose, sometimes no direction, and life just keeps hammering you over and over and over, and we, we just feel like we're drifting through life. Everybody depressed yet? <laughs> All these things are literally a symptom of an issue that people that are Jesus followers. It's not like we're experiencing those things because we don't follow Jesus or because we haven't surrendered our life. Sometimes we struggle with those things because we don't take advantage of the benefits of the Holy Spirit as our intimate friend, okay? Now, why is that? If the Holy Spirit has benefits for us to live a strong and powerful life and to be an overcomer more than an overcomer, so why, why is it that sometimes we feel this way? We go through these things and we don't take advantage of the benefits. Well, sometimes we're just afraid. If I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me so I can experience these benefits, look, I don't want any of that weird flaky packaging thing that, you know, sometimes, just to be honest, the church has wrapped the Holy Spirit in that's not Him. Or maybe you're just skeptical because of some crazy weird thing that your friend, your friend got weird. They got filled with the Holy Spirit and they just got weird. Or you saw something on TV and you're like, I don't want to do that. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are. And so sometimes you're not afraid. You're not skeptical. Sometimes we're just uninformed. We're just literally innocently maybe ignorant to his nature and his ways and who he is. And yes, his benefits. Maybe we're not even sure what they are. So before we get into what the benefits are, here's one thing that I want you to walk away with today. This is the biggest thing. I'm gonna talk about the benefits, but before we get there, here's my prayer for you today as we walk out, all right? It's that we get as much of the Holy Spirit as we possibly can. We say, Holy Spirit, I trust you. Have your way in me. I want as much of you if you're my intimate friend, if you are the one that's living in me and with me and you're walking with me and you're my helper, I want as much of you as I could possibly jam in this little heart of mine, okay? If Jesus left so I can have the Holy Spirit, I want as much of him as I can get in fullness. I wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer, that we get as much of the Holy Spirit as we can so we can walk in and take advantage of all the benefit, benefits that he brings. So 
As you walk out today, my heart is that your heart's desire is that you have as much of him as you can possibly have. And if we want as much of the Holy Spirit as we can possibly get, listen, it's important that we know what to expect from the Holy Spirit, okay? So that leads us to the obvious question, which is what are the benefits? Tell us already, Micah, all right? And how do you take advantage of these benefits from this close and intimate friend, the Holy Spirit? So there are things that the Spirit of God, He wants to bring to you, and they are those benefits. And actually, they're much different than what you think, okay? So what I did, remember, blank page, right? We went through the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, and I found some benefits that are actually much different than a lot of you might think they, they, uh, they are, and they may shock you. I found overwhelmingly that if the Spirit of God comes into your life, if you open your life to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the very first thing is simply that you would receive refreshing. This is the place where you get to breathe, relax. Anybody could use some refreshing. Slow down, breathe in, breathe out. That's where this awareness of the Holy Spirit comes in. You can receive refreshing to be able to recover. Man, is this something that we need in the pace of life that we have right now? Just the peace and the refreshing that comes from this intimate friend. And this isn't, the, this isn't a spiritual nap. We can, you can get tired and take a nap, but some of us, we carry burdens through our life that are actually robbing us of our joy. We wake up every day with the pressure of school and job and family and pressure and tension, all the stuff that life can bring to us, we actually, we carry pain, physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. There's the constant lack of refreshing. We need the Holy Spirit to bring refreshing and he will do it. He will do it. Well, one of the benefits is this refreshing. Now look in Isaiah 63, it says, they were given rest by the Spirit, by the Ruach. This is that wind. It's a breath of fresh air. And then he says, this is how you guided your people to make yourself a glorious name. Why does that, what does that mean? Why do we get refreshing? Because if the Spirit of God is working on the inside of us, guess who doesn't have to work so hard? You. A lot of us, we're just tired because we've been, some of you have been serving God and doing your best to serve God out of your own effort and your own intellect and you're wore out. And what you need is a breath of refreshing to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow him to bring that refreshment to your life, to your family, to your work, to your school, just this breath of fresh air. Now, Remember, you wanna get as much of the Holy Spirit as you possibly can, and that includes refreshing, okay? Receiving the refreshment of the Holy Spirit. All right, so another holy benefit of the holy, being filled with the Holy Spirit is simply that you'll be able to overcome your weaknesses. Anybody have some weaknesses? Who doesn't wanna overcome their own weaknesses? That's why the Bible calls him your helper, is because he wants to help you, he wants to speak with you, help you overcome your weaknesses. And can I tell you that the Holy Spirit, he wants to empower you. He wants to be a voice, a conviction, to be inside you, to lead you around some things or maybe to some things. Look at this, Romans 8, 
It says, in the same way, the pneuma, right, the breath, the spirit, helps, wants to help us in our weaknesses. That's part of what his role is. When we don't know what to pray for, the spirit, the breath of God inside of you intercedes for you. He prays for you. God prays for you with words that gro- and groan or with groans that words cannot express. And he, the spirit, intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. He's praying his own will over you. That's the perfect prayer. Who doesn't want God praying for you? I mean, you want me to pray for you, I get you, but I get it, but God, the Holy Spirit. See, this is him helping us overcome our weaknesses. And look, we don't want to be turned off by how other people have packaged the Holy Spirit. No, you want to to remember, you want to give yourself over to the Holy Spirit as much as you possibly can. Get as much of him as you possibly can. He also wants to help us walk in freedom. Now, if you look throughout the Bible, you're gonna see over and over that people who invited this breath, this whole, the Holy Spirit, this breath of fresh air into their life, it was like, oh, I could breathe again, and they had freedom. Now, Paul talks about, in Romans 7, he talks at length about how frustrating it is to do the right thing. Let me be honest with you. If you're trying to serve God, there's times when you wanna do right, but you keep finding yourself doing wrong. Paul went through that and he expresses that all through chapter seven, he basically is just frustrated about this and he goes, what are we gonna do about it? And then in chapter eight, he actually tells us the solution. Romans eight, nine, he says, here's the secret that you are now not controlled by the sinful nature, but by what? Spirit, the pneuma of God. This God wants to put this breath of fresh air in you. And the result is gonna be that the Holy Spirit is gonna live in you and through you and you can live a holy life. You can have the ability to have freedom over sin. But if we're gonna do that, we gotta stop trying to do it all on our own and let the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you in a big way. It's a benefit. The Bible says it's a benefit that you get to walk in freedom and overcome your sinful nature. The Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the fresh breath that lives on the inside of me. It's easy sometimes to look at other Christians and go, look at all the freedom they have. You walk in during worship and there's people with their hands in the air and they just seem like they're worshiping and and they're free. They just have this freedom that maybe you don't feel like you have. And, And that could actually frustrate you. I remember as a teenager in my parents' church, my father was a pastor and everybody was raising their hands and I wanted to do that. But a lot of people, they were, you know, as a preacher kid, I constantly got judged. They either expected more out of me or they expected me to be the example to everybody in everything because I was the preacher's kid. And of course, my nonconformist nature, that did not work well for me. That bounded me up because just because they expected me to, I don't want to do it. It's the right thing, but I don't want to do it. And I just wanted to serve God, but I was so bound up. Side note, by the, by the way, don't do that to the, to the children of the pastors that are on staff here. Don't expect any more or less out of them than you expect out of anybody else. I got people say, I had people say to me, and I've heard this, you should know better than that because you're the pastor's son. Because your mom and your dad are pastors on staff and you should know better than that. That does nothing but take away their freedom, guys to serve God out of the inside and out of their own want. 
But I remember as a teenager standing in my parents' church, and I remember the week that I thought, I'm doing it. This week, I'm raising my hands. I'm do- I read it in the Bible. It's over and over and over. It says that in the sanctuary, you raise your hands and surrender to God. And the Bible says it, I'm doing it. And I asked the Holy Spirit. It's like, Holy Spirit, just give me this freedom to worship you the way that you wanna be worshiped. Not the way I wanna worship you. That's not, it's not about that. It's the way you want me to worship. And it says, raise the hands. So I'm gonna do it. I read through all the Bible and it looks like God likes hands. So I'm gonna give them to him. All right. So I started out with the hold the baby, half mast. Look around, Nobody, nobody's paying attention to me. All right, so Holy Spirit, give me that freedom to be able to worship you. And so by the end of the service, I got my hands full mast, right? Just up in, the wor- up in the air, worshiping God. And I can't tell you the amazing freedom that I just felt. It's a benefit, right? You have no idea what's on the other side of freedom through the Holy Spirit. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 3 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You're free to love God. These are benefits that are in scripture. I don't know what you thought they were, but this is what the Bible says. And you wanna get as much of the Holy Spirit as you possibly can. All right, so another benefit is uh, that you can operate in strength. Anybody use any more strength, spiritual strength? It's that powerful part of the Holy Spirit that he wants to put on the inside of us that we get to operate in our lives in strength and confidence. I wanna pursue spiritual strength and power. And it's a shame that most people that follow Jesus don't operate in spiritual strength. Woe is me. No, Jesus said, you're gonna do the same works as I did and better. He said, you're gonna do greater works than I did. That seems sacrilegious to say that, doesn't it? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And it's because the Holy Spirit was gonna come and operate in us in strength and power. And a lot of times we're not doing the same works that Jesus did. We're scared of those. Paul said, when I came to you, my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, intellect, but with a demonstration of the pneuma's power, the Spirit's power. Why? Because if we don't have his strength, we're just another intellectual argument out there from another religion. He says, I want you to have it. Why? So that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Your faith resting on God's power. We gotta learn to operate in God's strength in his power. Just going after the breath of God and and wanting him to operate in our lives. And you want as much of him as you can possibly get. All right. Now, another benefit and a large part of his work is that he gives us spiritual gifts. All right. Now, why? So that we can make a difference in the life of other people. The whole reason for the gifts is so that we can minister to others. There are, a lot, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And look, this is where everybody gets a little uncomfortable. All right. A lot of people will have a problem with the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. And there are some well-meaning pastors, preachers, churches that teach a doctrine that's actually not in the Bible about this. The, the doctrine is called cessationalism. And cessationists, they believe that the gifts ceased. That's where the word cessationalism comes from, is that the Holy Spirit's gifts, they ceased after the apostles. God just used it to launch the church, and then from there, he took them all away. The only problem with that is that it's not anywhere in the Bible. All right? And in fact, if you read through the Bible, there are places 
that in reference to some of these spiritual gifts that were being used, that they were for them, their children, and for those that were afar off. So we believe in what's called continuation. And that is that the gifts of the Spirit were meant to continue to be used. And there are nine of these gifts. And I'm going to run through them real quick. They, co they come from 1 Corinthians 12. And it starts out saying, Now to each one, the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now a couple things here. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives these gifts, Okay. They are actually called the manifestation gifts because of this word here. And the bottom line is that all of them are for the church. They're to help the church, not so people could show off and be more spiritual than everybody else. All right? So I'm going to briefly go through them. And, uh, and it says, to one there's given through the Spirit, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. Now, wisdom, the spiritual gift of wisdom on it, and so wisdom on its own is just the ability to solve problems, Right? To, to perceive correctly a situation. But in the spirit, the message of wisdom or the gift of wisdom is the ability to see people and situation with the wisdom of God. It, it is not your own wisdom, it's divine wisdom that you wouldn't normally have known or learned, okay? Now, the word of knowledge or the message of knowledge, this is you knowing something by the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's no way that you would ever know this about somebody or about a situation, but the Holy Spirit reveals things to you that there's no other way that you would know that. That is the gift of knowledge or the message of knowledge. And then it says, to another faith. Some translations say special faith. This is not your saving faith because every believer, if you follow Jesus, you've been given saving faith, right? This is the gift of faith. And this would be a supernatural faith that would go beyond what you would naturally have in a normal situation, okay? Then there's a gift of healing. Now, this is not the healing that we see, for instance, in Mark, where it says that those who believe, all believers, can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, okay? What this is, uh, all believers can do that. What this is, is let's say a more potent ability to use the Spirit of God to heal people. Mark, it says all of us should be functioning in healing. So the gift of healing has to do with a greater level, uh, an amplification of that. Then it talks about to another mir uh, miraculous powers. Now, this is a lot like healing, but applies to, to miracles. All, all of us see miracles at times. And so this is an intensification of the gift or the operation of Miracles, where all believers can see miracles, but the one with the gift of miracles is actually more likely to see miracles and has an assignment in a ministry sense to the ministry of miracles. And then to another prophecy. Now, this gift of prophecy, it has to do with the speaking forth the voice of God or declaring things that are gonna happen in the future. And when somebody has the gift of prophecy, they are giving uh, messages or assignments uh, when God, see, God can speak to everybody. The Holy Spirit speaks to us all. But this is a certain type of ministry where somebody receives an assignment to deliver messages to other believers from God. This is the one that gets a little bit weird. Let me say this about prophecy. In the Old Testament, prophets would guide. They didn't have the Holy Spirit speaking to them, so they guided them, okay? In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of each of us that are followers, and so prophets are not for guiding, prophets are for confirmation. If somebody comes to you and say, I have a prophecy 
for you and it's total news to you, it's probably, they, they probably missed it. Prophecy in our lives in the New Testament is confirmation for what is God is already speaking to you. If you're like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And then they come and they say, hey, I think God was telling me this. And you're like, oh, holy cow. Okay, that's confirmation, okay? Now, distinguishing between spirits. This is the ability to tell some, you know, if somebody is, uh, maybe what they're struggling with is, is it physical, is it mental, or is it spiritual? That would be a good, good uh, example of that. Now to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. This is different than a personal prayer language that we're gonna talk about. This is the gift of tongues. It's kind of like prophetic tongues. It's to deliver a message to the body of believers. And this gift works in conjunction with the interpretation of tongues, all right? And the spiritual gift of tongues alongside of the gift of interpretation is equal to prophecy. It's for delivering to other people words from God as confirmation of, of what he's already speaking, if that's in an individual sense. If it's in a congregational sense, it's usually in very, it's encouraging, all right? Every believer can't speak in tongues as far as a gift, but every believer can have your own personal prayer language. And we're gonna talk more about that. Uh, th what this is, is this is in a public gathering, somebody speaks in tongues, somebody else stands and actually interprets those tongues uh, to deliver what God is speaking to the people, okay? Now, verse 11 ties all this together. It says, all these work in the one and the same spirit as he distributes them to each one. So we don't own these. He distributes them as he wills or as he determines how these gifts are being used. And then watch this. Later on, just verses later in verse 31, he says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Paul wanted for you to eagerly desire these gifts. The bottom line is you just wanna get as much of the Holy Spirit as you possibly can. And you should desire the deeper things to walk in these things. And then last, certainly not least, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the benefit of a personal prayer language. That is praying in tongues. Now this is not the same thing as the spiritual gift as tongues that goes with interpretation. Which brings us to the question, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is being filled with the Holy Spirit with the benefit of a prayer language. What is it? Where is it in the Bible? I mean, do we even still do that? We're, I wanna answer that question for you next week as we continue the series, Third Person. Would you stand with me?